0: hello this is meg nahara from episode 38 i just wanted to let you guys know about a new podcast i've been able to release called unedited my personal journey has been marked by a lot of challenge but in the middle of it all god healed my heart through the simple discipline of daily bible reading and prayer we all live in the unedited version of real life and there is a god who wants to know us right there it is my greatest passion to help people connect with god through his word and his presence You can find the unedited podcast wherever you listen by searching unedited with meg Nahera." i would absolutely love to have you join me for this journey
1: if you are like every other church in america along with first apostolic church we have discovered that we are in need of tools we're in need of processes we're in need of systems and probably most of all tracking when it comes to making disciples When you join the movement, when you're a part of the disciple-making movement, um, you're going to come to a conference that's going to give you all of those things. As a matter of fact, we are bringing in Pastor Timothy Lee all the way from Singapore. If you have not heard of him, I want you to know uh, he and a great team Uh, They are developing all these different programs, all these different systems. They have made tools, and they're going to make them available at the Movement Conference. You do not want to miss these things. I promise you, it's going to change your life. It's going to turn people who are sitting in pews, people who are sitting um, on seats in church sanctuaries who are wanting to do more, it's going to empower them to make disciples. You don't want to miss it.
2: Direct Concepts is a proud sponsor of The Crucial Conversation buying power, better prices, and bigger savings. That's what Direct Concepts can offer you and your church. Direct Concepts is a global acquisition firm specializing in a wide range of products. Signing on with an acquisition company is an act of stewardship, which can save your ministry money on the quality of products you need. By joining Direct Concepts Alliance, you will receive offers of specialty buys on a wide range of products. We combine the buying power of our large client base to offer quality products at an unbeatable price. Oh, and the best part, it's completely free. No upfront fee, no monthly subscription, completely 100% free to join. What products does Direct Concepts Alliance offer? Our biggest orders typically revolve around remodeling. So we specialize in flooring, cabinets, and various other building materials. However, as a member of the DC Alliance, you will receive access to all the great deals we find. Whether you need new LED lighting for your sanctuary, building materials for your church renovation, or a good deal on musical equipment, Direct Concepts can help. Just fill out the request form on our website at fullcontainer.direct and click on the crucial conversation icon to get started. Let's save you money so you can reinvest in the kingdom. Once again, fullcontainer.direct. God bless.
0: Hello, my fellow podcast listeners. It's Charity Sanders from Modest Direct here. I have been super excited to get a chance to connect with the crucial conversation listeners these past few months. ModestDirect.com specializes in women's clothing. I try to have a vast range of inventory that is changing and updating weekly. ModestDirect.com has a variety of styles. We have the Flannery Carpenter collection that has been a huge hit for those that love the trendy new look. We have gorgeous dresses, pencil skirts, and unique tops that keep our customers coming back again and again. We are a five-star Google-rated company, yay Modest Direct! Customer service is my number one goal. We don't have anything on our website over $50. Modest Direct offers women's apparel in most styles from small to plus sizes. Follow us on Modest Direct on Instagram and like the Modest Direct Facebook page. I would just love to give you the opportunity to sign up for our email group at ModestDirect.com. We give exclusive chances to sales there and often release new inventory to the VIP email group first. Make sure and use the Crucial Conversation 21. That's Crucial Conversation 21 coupon code for 10% off your entire order. ModestDirect.com can't wait to hear from you and help you with all your shopping needs. I think it's crucial that you visit ModestDirect.com and we have a great conversation about all the modest clothing that you are going to love. God
2: bless you. Hello Crucial Conversation listeners, pastors, youth pastors, leaders in your local church. My name is Corey Sanders and I want to introduce you to God First Living. God First Living is a seminar that equips and teaches saints to balance business with blessings so they can succeed in both the secular and the spiritual to further the kingdom and be the best they can be in their local church. I have been a business owner since I have been 19 years of age, so 20 plus years of experience living the principles of God First Living. My workshops and seminars are to educate believers on how to take a passion and turn it into a thriving business that blesses you personally and the kingdom. Learn how to build a successful business and to be productive and powerful in your local assembly by living a balanced life. I will give your church body attendees practical tools backed by biblical principles that have allowed my family to live in the abundant blessing. Our mission theme at our church, Apostolic Center, is give and go. Some people can give and some can go. I wanted to be able to do both. And because of these God First Principles, I had the opportunity to go all over the country and all over the world in ministry. Because you can be successful in business and successful in the kingdom. It's learning how to balance, and God First Living Principles will show you how. Anyone can do this. I only have an high school education, no business degrees, no businessman father that taught me the ropes, just a burden, started a business, learn to balance and living in blessing. This is for every saint or entrepreneur that wants to step into blessing and be blessed personally and bless their local assembly by giving and doing more in the kingdom of God. It's not just inspirational talk but a testimony of a desire to be more in the kingdom and live in the overflow by building a thriving business, a fruitful ministry, and a balanced life. For more information, go to my website, godfirstliving.com. Once again, godfirstliving.com. And I'll end with this. I live by the words of my friend and late missionary, Brother Steve Willoughby. He spoke into my life, if you take care of God's business, He will take care of yours. God first living. God bless
3: Hey guys, this is Brian. And I'm Tony. And you're listening to the Crucial Conversation Podcast.
4: Today, we welcome onto the podcast um, a guy that, who is, first of all, I think is a phenomenal preacher. But the first question I'm going to ask you has nothing at all. To do with any sort of ministry. I want to ask you, is your wife's spaghetti as good as Anthony Farrell says it is?
5: My wife's spaghetti
4: is absolutely
5: phenomenal. And um, it's none of this bottled jar stuff. It is the sauce comes right out of her heart. And um, <laughs> it, it is it is amazing. I she makes my favorite spaghetti. So Yes, I'll have to back Anthony up on that one. That she makes
3: the absolute best spaghetti. There, there's a big debate on Facebook where we're at. I don't know if you see it in Canada, but there's a debate on whether or not sugar belongs in spaghetti sauce. Does your wife put sugar in the spaghetti sauce?
5: Well, it's very important in the culinary world to make sure <laughs> that you balance uh, you balance the bitter with the sweet. So. Yes, a little. Now she doesn't put sugar in it, but I would advocate a a balanced sweetener to give uh, to give proper proper taste to it. Now I, I will say that there was a time when um, the the sauce accidentally got a little extra pepper than what what it should have had. Um, I think I think the cap came off the pepper shaker. And so instead of throwing it out, she tried to balance it out with sugar, and uh, it is something to this day that we remind her of, and and uh, it it did not work. But yes, a little bit of sugar I think adds a little. It's uh, a little no 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 sweet. Although she doesn't do that in her sauce,
4: there would be occasions where it would be appropriate. Brian, uh, how many messages do you think we've heard Anthony Farrell preach that he talks about his mother's spaghetti?
1: Uh,
3: I don't know. I don't know. In, I will say in personal conversation it comes up quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, fact, it does I, come we up. Were over at that someone's house this Saturday, and we talked about the spaghetti. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I if believe, you haven't,
5: I believe he's ahead. trying to master it as well. <laughs> this
4: if you haven't, if you haven't figured it out, today we welcome David Farrell onto our podcast, all the way up from from Canada, Brian. This is what three episodes ago we had another Canadian on our podcast, so I guess we're just venturing all up through there right now. Who, Who was is that? Who was it? Raymond Woodward. Oh yeah. yeah,
3: yeah,
5: yeah. His province and everything. I can't believe that you put him first over me.
4: Well, I mean, he, he responded quicker. Well, I guess you did. I just didn't check my email soon enough. Uh, those things hurt. Those things hurt. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time to, to sit down far, and talk with us.
3: How far away is their church from yours? Is it like an hour or two hours or something like that? Yeah, it's two hours.
4: Yeah. Two
3: hours here. Yeah. Well, are.
4: thank you for sitting down and talking with us today. I've looked forward to having this conversation for a while with you. Uh, you know, you uh, you you don't come down to Jonesboro often, but when you do, our church is always blessed when you minister, um, preach, and sing at it. Uh, I mean, there's there's one thing that I have found, um, and I don't know uh, where Anthony lost it at, but I mean, you are the most genuine, real person uh, that uh, that I, I could think of. You know. You're just such a kind, kind hearted individual. And just as a matter of fact, uh, Anthony uh, was preaching at our church and he said every time that you guys went on vac- vacation, um, you know, you, you just constantly reminded um, your kids that it's because of God's grace that where you are at because of the church. And you never let your kids lose sight of what God uh, is doing for you and your family. And uh, that, that's just something that uh, even the way I was raised is, you know, we always put God first. And I, I can appreciate that, especially in a generation now where almost things like that. It, it's a lost art, you know, where people think that they've worked for everything that they've gotten. It's because of their hard work and their labor that they're where they're at and, and ministry and stuff like that. But um, that's that's a that's a story for another time. But thanks so much for taking time to sit down with Brian and I.
3: We look forward to having this conversation with you.
5: Well, I'm really and I don't good. think, Sorry, I don't think you
3: said, by the way, because you keep on saying Anthony. For those who don't know, Anthony goes – David Farrell's son, Anthony, goes to our church. He's the youth pastor at our church. And he's the person that I picked over Tony to be the best man in my way.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Regretfully, right?
3: <laughs> well, first, my,
5: it's my – first question? It's my privilege to sit down and chat with you guys. I, I have I just fell in love with both of you back when I first met you. Uh, come when I came by Jonesboro, and um, I was I was there with Brian the day he got his uh, local minister's license down at Arkansas Camp, and that was just a real privilege for me. And Tony, I think the first time I met you, you turned over your motorcycle to me and let me take that for a rip, and I thought, my goodness, what a He's very kind <laughs> and generous, you know. I said, Lord, please don't let me crash
4: this thing, whatever happens.
5: And, <laughs> that so, wasn't just
4: any bike either, man. That was that was that, a speed bike.
5: That was a that was a rocket for sure. But yeah, yeah. So I have I have felt a heart connection with the both of you since uh, I first met you.
4: Well, thanks for coming on. There's there's a lot of things that we want to talk about, but the first thing I really want to talk about is your ministry. Um, you're not you're not from Canada, you kind of uh, migrated up that way. Um, you're from Ohio. Um, the, the thing that we won't hold against you is you're an Ohio State fan. Uh, that's,
5: a, I am a diehard Buckeye from, from the from the top to the bottom.
4: So everybody in my family is uh, Go Blue, uh, Michigan fans. Um, <laughs> we, uh, we all have a family that's in Michigan and everybody's Michigan fans around here. So we won't hold that against you, but uh, kind of tell us a little bit about how you got your ministry started, how you, how in the world you ended up in Canada, of all places, and tell us a little bit about who you are, a little bit of background.
5: Well, I guess, first of all, it's kind of funny. I, I'm doing some typing, and I just shared a little bit of that story uh, and some of the stuff that I'm typing, but my dad was a pastor in, in Ohio, and uh, when I was... Eight years old, I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, was baptized in Jesus' name in Minerva, Ohio. And uh, when I was age 13, Brother Norman Pasley Sr. was preaching at our church. And uh, they had an altar call. He had an altar call and he asked me to come up onto the platform and he laid his hands on me and began to pray for me. And when he laid his hands on me i felt the lord uh, call me or i felt him speak to my heart and spirit that i was to go into the ministry and so that's um, that was the initial start of it and then all through high school um, there's there's so much i could tell and share there but uh, at the end of the day i i felt like I should go to ABI, Apostolic Bible Institute, and um, Brother Rose, Brother Rose was our family pastor. My, my parents were originally out of Brother Rose's church in Harrison Hills, Ohio, Jewett, Ohio, and so I went to ABI. When I got there, there was this blonde-headed girl that i met on the first day opened the door for her to let her into the school and we just started um sparking i guess is that is that old-fashioned term sparking and never
4: heard it but i guess that'll work
5: yeah that'll work we just started sparking a little and then um it just kind of grew and developed and so my third year Bible school, I was all set to go back to Ohio, had been invited to come to Ohio to be a youth pastor in a church, and um, boy, the Lord began to deal with my heart about coming to Canada. And I had no I had no offers, I had no job, I had nothing, I didn't know a thing about Canada other than that's where my wife was from. Um, my parents thought i i lost my mind even brother rose told me he was concerned about me moving to new brunswick and but i felt like i felt like the lord had called me i really did i felt like he had directed my life to come here and and again i had nothing other than uh, no job no nothing i just i'm going to pack up everything i own and i moved to new brunswick and we got married and It was, uh, it was, it was rocky. It was rocky. Um, Anthony has shared with me down there how Americans make fun of Canadians. And, um, and I, I, I know that when I came up here, the Canadians sure made fun of this American. And it was, uh, it was rather brutal at times. Um, But anyway, I've been here. Uh, i've been here since 1988 it's been over 30 years that i've been here and and uh, built my life and built uh, the lord used me in the ministry and i started out as a youth pastor here in this in the church that i now pastor then i moved and was an assistant pastor and then i went to uh i went to a little rural church the superintendent the superintendent uh, called and asked if I would go to this little church in the country. It was there was thirty people there, and they were all over ninety. And uh, the superintendent asked if I nobody wanted to go, and so <clears throat> I said I'll go. And my wife wasn't all that pleased, but uh, anyway, I went, and we pastored there for four years, and then. Uh, we moved uh, later, a church opened up um, in Woodstock, New Brunswick, and we went there and we pastored for five years. The Lord really blessed the work there. And then I did what I said I would never do, and that was move back to Perth. And um, we moved back to Perth in 1998 and assisted Brother Lewis for... for uh, few years, and then he retired, and we've pastored ever since.
4: So Earth why and did... you
3: move to New Brunswick, Canada.
4: What, yeah. what, what was it about Perth that you didn't want to move back to? Was it something, you know, for... for as being a preacher's kid, my dad, whenever he took the church that he pastored, um, he didn't necessarily know how the transition would work, because... He grew up in the church. He was the assistant pastor there, and he was just known as uh, they called him by his first name. For instance, he wasn't seen as the pastor. but So it was kind of awkward, not necessarily awkward, but just a little uncomfortable there at the beginning because you didn't know how the transition would fit when he took pastor. What was it for you that made you think, oh, I'll never go back to this place?
5: Well, um, so it wasn't it wasn't so much that for me because I, I wasn't from here. Now my wife had grown up here. So that, that was a little bit of a dynamic for her. The reason I didn't want to come back here mainly was what I said earlier that when I first came up here, um, I wasn't, I wasn't treated all that kind. And, and I don't, I don't think that they, and, Tended, you know, but the American thing was a was a big deal, and there there is a huge cultural difference between uh, New Brunswick and Ohio. Um, it was it's just a rural church conservative. Uh, they thought I landed from the moon, and I thought they were from Mars. Like it it was just such a strange. So so. Initially what happened was i was youth pastor here for a little while not 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 full time for the church but um, then i was kind of asked to move on um it just it just wasn't um, i just couldn't understand them they couldn't understand me and so there was just some feelings of uh i don't know there just wasn't some healthy feelings there and so i didn't have any interest really, but I'll tell you, when when it came time for us to come back in 1998, the same confirmation that God gave me at, at uh, when I was at ABI about moving to Canada, I had that same basic calling. So I knew, even though it wasn't something that I wanted to do. Furthermore, the church in Woodstock, when we went there, there was there was 15 people, and it had grown to over 125 people, and we were looking at building. And uh, the community itself was growing, and um, just the thought of leaving that was uh, was really heartbreaking. But but God had His His plan in mind and had His way, and and um, I, I have no hard luck story to tell about that. It has been extremely challenging. Um, Brother Lewis pastored here for forty for forty years, like. And it's a, a smaller community, so really, you weren't married or buried unless Brother Lewis did it. And um, yeah, it was uh, it was uh, quite a it was quite a move.
3: Yeah, how do you keep from fizzling out, burning out? Anthony's told me before. And I don't know if you still do it now, but he told me for a while you were preaching four times on a Sunday, and then you teach at a university so you're you're constantly teaching and then fitting in a little bit of time here and there for a podcast uh how do you how do you manage your time where you what keeps you going what keeps you you passionate about what you're doing and how do you you manage such a busy schedule
5: uh well i give a lot of credit to my wife she's a she is a tremendous administrator i that's certainly not my strong point. And so she she keeps everything well organized. Um, so I teach at the University of Maine on Tuesday evenings. It's a three hour lecture time, so I do that. Uh, Thursdays, I drive to Fredericton uh, to teach at the Bible College there. and, um, and then pastoring the the church here. <clears throat> I have a I have a pretty active brain. <clears throat> and so, if if I sit still, then then it it uh, it runs amok. So I'm I'm better to be harnessed up than I am to not be. In fact, if I wasn't, I probably would have gone insane. <clears throat> you know. So so just keeping myself going and moving and uh, has 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 been uh, the, the way I keep myself refreshed, I guess. If I didn't have that, if I didn't have those extracurricular mental activities, I I probably would have. Uh, I don't know if I'd have burnt out, but I would have. So with that church, yeah, for probably 15 years, we left here. We'd preach Sunday morning here, drive 45 minutes, hold a little church service, and turn around and drive back. And <clears throat> by by Sunday night, by the time I get back here, I my head would be mush. But you know, Brian, I'll tell you, it never failed. When I got into the pulpit, the anointing would come, and um, and it would um, it would it would come. That's all I can say is when you do God's will. When you do God's will, even if you're totally physically exhausted, if you do God's will, He empowers you. That's all I can say. And I didn't quit. I I let it die a natural death. I um, I didn't quit. I I I even when there were days and Sundays and um, and I wanted to quit. And Lord, what's Your will? And even the church board here at Perth would say you need to you need to let that go. And and I said I will when it's God's timing. And 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 all I can say is I stayed in God's will. I didn't quit. It didn't. It uh, it just died a natural death. And the people there weren't bitter or hurt over the how it how it closed.
4: So I want to talk a little bit about um, um, kind of what you dealt with with your health, Uh, because my father, he went through the same things of, you know, I I was talking to a guy. um, First of all, me and my pastor have been talking about putting together a men's retreat. And um, when I was talking to a prospective uh, minister to come, he was like, well, what, what, why do you want to do something like this? And he was and I told him, I said, you know, there's so many times that ministers and men in general, we wear the Superman cape for everybody but ourselves. You know, we we always, for instance, my dad, he, he took care of his church. He took care of his business. He, he was a, a district official. He took care of literally everything but himself. And, uh, you know, it just, it, 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 takes a toll on a man to, to have all of that responsibility. Well, you were faced with such a huge crisis. Uh, you had a health scare a little bit right in the middle of all of your busyness working through for the church and, you know, doing God's work, building the kingdom. Tell us a little bit how you maneuvered through all that. Well,
5: I was thinking here, uh, a few months ago I was, and I was down praying at the church and was kind of thinking about that, and and I I was thinking about the things that the enemy comes against you with. So, when I was in high school, the big the big challenge for me was: Do I go to Bible school or do I go to college, pursue a career, and everything within the high school, the counselors, the teachers, it was oh goodness, don't don't go to Bible college, you'll starve to death, and you know you go you have so much potential and all that stuff. So. So, but I felt like I passed that hurdle. I, I went to Bible school. So the enemy didn't get me with career and and those things. And then, uh, then um uh, there, there there are other ways that the enemy tries to tries to get at you in the ministry. And uh there there are um Anyway, there's just a lot of things. And then one of the ways that the devil tries to destroy men and women of God is through their health. So I understand that you're supposed to look after yourself and all that, but then that there are seasons where you have to do what God asks you to do. I, I liken it to military campaigns. You know, there sometimes the, the general says, you got to go into the woods in the wilderness and you got to do this mission and you know you're going to be tired and miserable, and you're going to wear yourself out, and you're going to have scars, and your body's going to pay for it down the road. And the ministry is no different. When God assigns you tasks, you've got to do them, and and you may lose sleep, and and you'll you'll take some enemy fire, and there's all kind of things that happen. So, so um, and so in the and 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 then in the middle of that, there was this sickness. So I had two back to back major sicknesses for me. The first was cancer and um didn't even know that didn't even know that i had it i had i had something going on and i i'd gone to the doctor about something totally different and when i was leaving i said to him oh by the way i i think i have another problem and so you know he checked it and said no that's not that and when i told him what was going on so anyway come to find out that i i had cancer and so within within three or four weeks, I was home, I had had surgery, the cancer was removed, and um, so I spent that winter recovering, and, you know, it, it was a, it was a God thing, it was a God thing, I, some, some things had happened here at the church, and I had told Brother Lewis, I said, I just want you to know when it comes June, I'll be, I'll be done, I'll be moving on to somewhere else, and, and, uh, so in between that, I was diagnosed with cancer. Spent had major surgery. Um, spent the winter recovering. Well, I'll tell you when June rolled around, and I had said I was going to be leaving. I was just happy to be alive. I didn't. I had no desire to leave. I wanted to stay in God's will. So it, it was a real God thing for me. It kept me from making a big mistake in my life. So 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 got through that kept things going. And I was fortunate here that there were people that stepped in to help me. And then right after that, I I blew two vertebrae in my neck and had to have two major surgeries on my neck to uh, fuse my neck. And I, <clears throat> I laid for eight months. Um, I laid for eight months taking medication because it was... Uh, getting through the process of getting the surgery to get that fixed. And that, that was an entire year where, you know, me and God just had to really sort through some things. I read one time that when God wants to get, get to you, uh, his sometimes the greatest way he can do that is through pain. And I never had pain like that in all my life, but my wife did say I preached some of my best sermons when I was on, uh, uh, painkillers so so that was a, so that was a positive thing
4: you don't but know how it, to take that compliment <laughs>
5: <laughs> well i i've decided that if i was going to be a a, a a drunk i'd be a happy drunk because when i was when i was on that medication i loved everybody and everything so <laughs> what about when you're not on the medication do you that's love everybody no that's a different story that's a different <laughs> that's a different story. <laughs>
4: Uh, But
5: again, in, in the midst of all that, you know, I had two two young children, but I give a lot of credit to my wife, Sister Farrell at that time. She she's just a rock. She just kept things going like nothing was out of place. And you can ask Anthony and Chrissy, they they their lives went on just as normal as could be. And yeah, she
3: she really was amazing during those times. Still is. Where did you learn that it's never as good as it seems and it's never as bad as
2: it seems?
5: I have a little theory that I have developed <clears throat> over my life, and um, I didn't, as, as Brother Arnold would say, I didn't get this off none of your tapes. This was uh, <clears throat> this was kind of my deal. I learned here a while ago when I just studying some things that uh, life is lived chronologically. So I. You know, everybody has the same 24 hours. I have it, you have it. We live minute by minute, second by second. Uh, so life is lived chronologically, but it's experienced simultaneously. So what I what I mean by that is there is no experience in life that is 100% happiness and 100% sorrow. And, uh, <clears throat> And, and, and again, it comes back to our spaghetti discussion that if life is all acid, it's going to be bitter. If it's all sweet, it's going to be, it won't be pal- palatable. Uh, but so so life, uh, God and his great wisdom mixed together uh, blessings and curses and uh, and we experience them simultaneously. So even in the midst of my cancer and and the suffering, and the pain, and the surgery, and uh, the surgery, you know, anyway, it, it was a near death time for me. The surgery turned sour, and uh, the story was kind of horrific, but but even in, so even in the midst of all that, there were so many wonderful things and blessings that happened to me, and, and the way God miraculously, um, uh, come came through for me. There, like I can just tell you story after story after story of how God showed His hand and His presence powerful to me through all of that. And um, and then I've had experiences in life where I think, oh, I, I couldn't I couldn't be any happier. But but in the midst of that, th- there will be some some balancing feature that will just kind of nag at you that. You know, Paul would describe it a thorn in the flesh. Your children, I I say it this way: your children, your children at the same time can make you the happiest, proudest person in the world, and then the the angriest, insanest person in the world, and and they can do it simultaneously. And uh, so, I believe life is lived chronologically; it's experienced simultaneously. Now, now our personality our personality lends us to which we view in that in that experience so if i focus on only the bad then then i'm only going to perceive the bad but if and if i focus on only the good i'm i'm kind of going to walk around la la land <clears throat> so you know you have to take your personality into account there when it comes to that but and then i then i say some things are understood retrospectively so live chronologically experience simultaneously. And to some degree, we'll never understand everything, but to some degree, I look back and I say, okay, Lord, I understand what you were working and what you were doing and uh, how that has worked to bless my life now. And so I don't know if I answered your question, but that's my little, that's my little philosophy on life.
4: I want to kind of ask something that, uh. And I apologize to Brian and our listeners because I feel like I always bring stuff like this up and I don't ever want it to be repetitive. But since I've lost my dad, um, I have I've always had questions that, you know, I I ask people that mainly people that come on the podcast or maybe my spiritual mentors or people like that, that it kind of gives me closure a little bit, you know, at a time. But I want to ask you, from a, a father that is pastoring into a son that is what fifteen hundred miles apart from you, uh, what what was it hard whenever your your child that graduates Bible college decides to move the opposite direction from where you're pastoring, um, you know, where he could come just as easily as he's doing here in Jonesboro, do for you and do with you at your church there in Perth Andover. It, it, Is it is it something for you that makes you 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 happy to see him striving and building his own uh, crown for the kingdom? Or is it something that you wish that, you know, sometimes it just be easier if he was with you? Because for me, uh, whenever I decided to move to Jonesboro, uh, it was very difficult on my father. Uh, My father told me, you know, as your dad, I beg you not to go. But as your pastor, if it's going to make you grow, I'm going to ask you to go. And, you know, that, that, that made me happy, but, you know, I just always wondered what would it have been like if I spent my life, my dad's last 10 years with him, you know, helping him in his church. What, what is, what does that do for you? Yeah. Well, uh, certainly I would love to have
5: Anthony here, um, doing, doing for Calvary Tabernacle, what he's doing for the Pentecostals of Jonesboro. It's, um, uh, yeah i i i told brother Runyon one day i'd give my eye teeth to have an anthony here uh with me doing the things that that he's doing doing there um yeah but i i come back to my story i i know i know that when god called me to leave ohio and move two thousand miles northeast when my dad was pastoring and and um yeah, I, he, you know, so at the end of the day, a person has to do God's will. And if that's what they feel God's will is, so I rationalize it in my mind that I would rather have him in God's will, even if it is 2,000 miles away from me, um, than I would to have him here out of God's will. Because I, I'll I'll tell you, I'll tell you what i want most on my children's life is the favor of god and and if if it's god's will for anthony to be in Jonesboro, slugging it out learning and growing and being challenged and being checked and and working on his spirit and his attitude and praying through because i had to do all that when i came here i would rather have him because i know if he's doing that in god's will that God's favor will rest on his life rather than have him here in a in my in a selfish state and not have God's favor on his life. And so yeah, I know as much as I'd miss him, as much as I'd love for him to be here, and um that we can't be together and see each other, you know. And now with him, because of technology, we we talk every day and can even see each other every day when i left ohio man all we had was a phone and and snail mail and that was it so so with the technology and all those things it, it makes it uh it makes it doable but no understanding the will of god and the favor of god the blessings of god i would much rather him be in god's will there than to be out of it out of god's
4: will
2: here
5: And my wife and I both feel that way very
4: strongly. That's that's a good thing to feel confident in with your spouse.
3: Go ahead, Brian. I was going to ask. As kind of a transition, I am curious. I was going to ask earlier, but then we kind of moved past it. What is it that you teach at the university and at the Bible College?
5: Uh, Well, at the Bible College, I've done that. I've done that for almost thirty years. So I've taught a variety of subjects at the Bible College. I've taught uh, Life of Christ. I've taught um, Corinthians. I've taught uh, uh, Bible Geography. I've taught Gifts of the Spirit. But um, when I, so I kind of hit a wall, hit a little wall with my ministry or myself. I, it, it seemed like I felt like my toolbox was empty. I with some things that I wanted to help people with and so that's why I went back to university and I so I started to study human behavior so so my initial undergraduate degree was in human behavioral sciences so um, after I got my master's degree I went back and started teaching there and it has been in the behavioral sciences department so it it uh, it ranges on what it is. I've taught marriage and family there. I've taught community uh, development, but for the past few years, I predominantly have been teaching uh, introduction
3: to sociology. So, what's your biggest takeaway in in all these studies? What what is it that you that's been the most transformative for your ministry?
5: Um, giving people some tools. To unlock, to unlock things in their life that go beyond. Um, I want to say this carefully, but go beyond uh, the realm of uh, of theology. And that that sounds terrible because you can't ever replace the power of prayer or the spirit of God in your life. Or, <clears throat> but there are some just tangible things that. People don't realize lurk in their heart and in their mind that, you know, if you don't know how to pray about those things, you're you're like Paul said, you're you're one that beateth the air. It's and so it's really neat to sit down and talk with people. And I can now draw on a on a a database of, of human behavioral concepts and critical thinking that can help people. Unlock areas of your life of their life that they know how to pray now. Okay, now we know how to pray. Now we know how to let go of things. Now, now we know what to let go of. Whereas before we 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 didn't we couldn't get a handle on it and and uh, it that that thing there that has been absolutely transformative. Then when it comes to just my ministry in general, just the the skills that I've learned in studying and research and preparing and writing has uh, it has caused development the level of scrutiny that i've had to live under academically has uh, caused me to be very conscientious about how i present myself and what i present and the things i say and yeah so i would say those
3: two things in particular have been transformative so how does a person unlock uh, the hidden things within themselves that they they don't know what it is they should be praying for.
5: Yeah, you know that just comes through. That just comes through talking, and then it comes through spiritual insight. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much you know. At the end of the day, if the gifts of knowledge and the gifts of wisdom and uh, <clears throat> those gifts aren't operating in your in your life, so I I attribute my my studies, but then. It it is it is unbelievable to me, the number of times my wife will even say to me, "I I don't know where you come up with that stuff." Uh, in the in the midst of times of talking and and working with people, where I will feel the spirit of the Lord drop a question into my heart, or ask this or that, what they're saying is not making sense with what they're doing. Ask them about this, and it it is incredible to me that the times that And it'll only happen after you've talked with somebody for about an hour and a half. After an hour and a half is when the filters really drop. People are getting tired mentally and and psychologically and emotionally, and the filters will really drop after about an hour and a half. And then the Spirit of the Lord will direct me with a question or to point out an inconsistency. And you would not believe, you would not believe the number of times that the spirit of the Lord will drop that in my heart and I'll say something and they'll immediately well up with tears. They'll immediately, how did you know that 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 I was dealing with that? How did how did you understand that? How did you, or I, I didn't realize that was there. And it it is, it is the for me, you know, there are preachers that are great faith healers and great, you know, and they can call something out in a service or they can pray for somebody and they have the gift of laying on a hands and those things. I don't particularly feel like those are my giftings, but I can get one-on-one with somebody or a couple. And it's just amazing the way God begins to drop things into my heart and my spirit and and how uh, people begin to open up about that. And it's amazing to me too, that they feel a, a safety to talk to me about those things. You know, it's just part of what I think is my gifting, but yeah, I think it's the combination of knowing how to frame the questions through my studies and having the spirit of God drop what questions to ask into my heart. It's, uh, it's
4: So you really... made a statement a while ago that you said you had just felt like your toolbox was empty. Yeah. Uh, I have, I've never con- connected with a phrase more than I have with that uh, for about the last I don't know, eight, nine months. I felt like my toolbox has been empty Mm -hmm. and I feel like, uh, no matter what I try to put in that toolbox, um, you know, it just feels like it's not the right fit. Uh, for instance, on the Raymond Woodward podcast, we in depth, we talked about uh, his sermon that he preached at impact and because of the times about who's sitting at your table and who Mm -hmm. you surround yourself with and who you involve your life with. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, you know, um, the seat that is, that's been empty in my life. I keep putting the wrong people and the wrong things in it because I'm trying to fill that void in my life that I just feel like, okay, God, what's next? What am I supposed to do? And I'm feeling, filling my life with confirmation uh, of people saying, oh yeah, you should do that instead of somebody saying, well, wait a minute. Uh, You know, just like your pastor, brother Rose, when you were talking about moving to Canada, he's like, well, I have some reservations about that. You know, I'm for myself. The last eight months, I feel like I've been looking for confirmation instead of you know somebody who could speak into my life. How does somebody such as myself go about finding the right tools to fit into my empty toolbox?
5: Well, see, <clears throat> see, this is uh, this is one of the uh, this is reveals one of the things about our world and our generation today is is that um, we we look for an instant. Uh, we look for an instant fulfillment we look for a we look for an instant uh, fix and you know i have an i have an empty seat i got to put something there right away and and i think that what i've learned in my in my time is that that that's not how it works with god that's not how it works with god and so when you're telling me that, what what drops into my spirit is is you're you're doing it. You're in the process of that. It's it's a I say this all the time, and and maybe people get frustrated with me, but because we can read the Bible, you know, we we can read the story of Noah in about fifteen minutes, and so because because we can do that, we lose we lose the concept of biblical time. We lose the the concept of biblical time. So, you know, because I can read the story of Noah and the flood and the building of the ark, I, I lose a sense of him having to play that out with his boys every single day for what we would consider a lifetime. Okay. So I'm 54. I'm washed up. I'm done. I'm ready to pack it in. I'm ready to retire. I I pray, you know, even so, Lord, come quickly. I'm I'm weary. I'm done. You know, Noah worked on one single project for over 120 years. Now that 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 again, you have to slow that all down in our head. We have to slow that all down. 120 years. Minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, and and we get frustrated. And I'm I'm not making light of your of of you, of your question or your situation, but I I'm in the same boat. I I want things to happen so quickly, but but the Lord's on His own time frame, and and the Lord will let us walk. He'll let us explore. He'll let us knock on this door and he'll let us knock on that and he'll he'll give us he'll give us 100 he'll give us one 120 year project to work on to to save eight people and and that would be a concept that would be so strange and so foreign to us you mean i'm going to work 120 years to only reach eight people that that notion would be mind blowing to all of the church planters and growers, and you know all of the all of these
3: things. That so doesn't I, get invited to because of the times. What's that? It's like that doesn't get promoted at because of the times.
5: No, no, and and I understand, and I I've had some discussions with some of our leadership um, about about that, and and I understand that our the UPCI's emphasis on urban and high population areas and uh, maximizing our end time revival. So I, I'm, I'm all for that. And I, and I, and we've got to do a quick work for the Lord and, and all those things. And so I'm, I'm not anti or negative on those things. And, you know, because of the times in these conferences have been so life changing for people. So, so uh, the positives are so powerful about that. But at the end of the day, when it comes down to my personal development and my personal growth, I'm I'm on a whole separate timetable with that in the eyes of God and the mind of God. And um, so that uh, and the other thing that I learned about that, too, is that the journey and the process, and I know it sounds like it's a canned statement, but the journey and the process really is more important to God than than the outcome and and what i mean by that is in christ the outcome is already guaranteed it's already established You, you don't have to worry or fuss about the outcome the the real challenge and the real growing is uh is in the journey so it's funny you should ask that because i was thinking about this today i was working on some things and i thought i'm 54 years old and so I've been lately we've been talking in the church board and talking about retirement. And I have 12 years or 13 years left before I'm 65 and and retirement. And so I'm kind of in this, okay. I'm, I've only got a little bit of I've only got 12 years left to work for the Lord. And and I thought, I'm only 54. God, God can give me another 40 years. I, I can live to be 90. And if I stay in God's will, I'm gonna have almost as much time after 54 as i've had before 54 to do whatever the lord wants me to do so this process of growing and maturing and developing into the full measure of christ you can't you can't put that on a and so i would say to you tony that 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 empty chair is okay and it's all right to have an empty chair for a while and there's nothing wrong with you looking and pursuing and turning rocks over and looking behind curtains to you know is this the thing that is that god wants to put in that empty chair and uh and so you you work and you climb and you look and you study and you pray and you you wait and you you meditate before god and you lay on the altar before the lord and then you do that for you do that for 10 years you do that for 10 years and then all of a sudden you you get up and when you're not even thinking about the chair anymore god says oh here i want you to put that in that chair and it's like you you work and you labor and seek the will of god and seek to find that direction and and then when you finally just let it go and turn it over to god's timetable and god's way and god's will you wake up one day and and the chair is filled with the thing that uh, that you needed all along And you wonder, where did that come from? How did God bring that into my life? I'll also say this, is that a lot of the things that I thought I needed that I was looking for, I already had. And so sometimes the notion that we have something empty or missing in our life is is something within our own personality or our own human flesh or our own human reasoning our own expectations or our own thoughts about what we should be or what we are in god and it's a powerful thing to release all of that and i found out that a lot of the chairs that i thought were empty i really had them i had them there but but uh, didn't realize it so back to my so back to my sickness i'll just say this back to my sickness that i I had told Brother Lewis I was going to be leaving that come that spring. And in my office I had a I had a dry erase board. And one day I was just really like you, you know, I'm, I'm empty here. And I wrote in big letters across this dry erase board, the calendar. I don't understand. <clears throat> and um, then anyway, I'm sick, ended up in the hospital. In the meantime, my wife had cleaned up the office and remodeled it and put that dry erase board away. And, so after the, after the surgery and I was laying in bed and I couldn't move and I, I couldn't hardly eat and I was in pain and I was trying to recover, Chrissy ran into the bedroom with that dry erase board and she said, she was just a little girl, she said, dad, what does this mean? I don't understand. And I looked at those words and uh, those words didn't even have any meaning because my whole life perspective had changed so sometimes sometimes the empty chair or the empty toolbox is, uh, is more about um, life perspective than it is about reality. So for example, I went back to college because I didn't feel like the ministry would provide for me or I in case the ministry didn't work out, I needed to have an education to take care of my kids. and so I spent the whole time that my kids were growing up, getting an education to to make sure I could provide for them and when I was all done with the education that part of it my kids were all grown up and moving away so even though it blessed me and helped me and I made some differences in my life my chair really wasn't
4: empty so that is uh that's that's a wild story um you know you just and it's very easy for me as well, and I'm sure it is for Brian that you know God's placed uh, certain steps in your life, but we may think that man, those are those are some pretty um, pretty big steps there. You know, I got to find the easier way to take them, and uh, you know, we 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 go to school and we get our education because we feel like that you know ministry may not be all. You know, it might not be what I'm supposed to be doing, stuff like that. You know, for me is the key word that you said there is you can have patience. You can wait. You don't have to instantly feel this open position. And that's the absolute hardest thing for me is being patient. My wife will tell you, uh, my my mother will tell you, my grandparents, you know, it's always um, what's next. What's next? What am I going to do now? You know? We, uh, as a matter of fact, we, my wife and I, we just took a long uh, weekend away. And the first day that we were at this destination, we had no plans. And the second day we were there, we had plans from A, B, C, you know, every hour was accounted for. And on on that first day, I was like, man, I just, we just got to do something. We got to have structure. We need to do this. We need to do that. My wife is like, you just need to chill for a minute. You know, don't you don't always have to have a what's next. You know, that's that's how it's always been for me. And, you know, whenever you're you're talking about, you know, we can read Noah's story in 12 minutes, but we don't understand it was over 100 years of a story. You know, I think we do a a disservice to Noah by, you know, reading it in 12 minutes. (laughs) You know, that's, that's pretty wild. His whole life is summed up. You know, you can read it in just a couple of minutes, his whole life, you know, and, you know, but the, but the key thing was, is the whole time he was in God's will and he had that patience and he had the, 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 the time that he knew that he was working in the, in the, in the will of God. And that's, that's difficult for me. It, it really is. and well, I, I don't do know. The,
5: we do the same thing with Job. You know, how long, how long does it take to have 10 kids? Uh, it's got to be a while for me. <laughs> well, you know, at the bare minimum, at the bare minimum, you have a nine month pregnancy. So if you have one child a year, so for God to restore to job his children, that was a 10 year process. So it was it was using the chair analogy, it was 10 years of uh, of recovery, Just on the children's side of it, you know, we read that story, and and of course it it ends, and and Job recovered all that he had, and double, and and uh, ten kids, you know, and we miss we miss that uh, we missed at least just on the children's part that that was at at a minimum a ten year a ten year process or a ten year chair filling. So, yeah, it's a. it is very, very tricky. And again, this is this is separate from the revival time clock, that the end time revival time clock, the ministry time clock. This, this, what we're talking about here is the personal development time clock. And and God controls your time. You you may feel like uh, I've lost, I lost. I may feel like I lost two years of my ministry to sickness. Well, it's nothing for God to add two years on at the end it's nothing it's nothing for god to do that you know the focus in all of this whatever you do is stay in god's will stay in god's will because he controls all time and loss and additions and everything and if you sacrifice or you walk through or god sends you on a journey over here to to build an ark, to save eight people, he can add he can add 120 years on over here, and it's nothing to him. It's nothing to him. Nothing. That's some
4: good stuff. <laughs> that's some good stuff. Uh, I want to ask an obvious question. Um, maybe it's not obvious. How do you know when you're not in God's will?
5: Oh, that's a good question. That's a really good question. You know, people get in God's will, and they keep wanting the, they keep wanting the GPS to chirp at them that they're in God's will. I remember TD Jake's preaching a message about about that. He he said I I plugged in the destination and I kept driving. I kept wondering if I was going the right way, if I was going the right way, and why is the GPS talking to me? And and then he said I come to the realization that the GPS talks only when it needs only when you need to change directions. And uh, I've thought a lot about that, you know, people, God, God puts them on a life course and tells them, this is, this is my will. He confirms it. He, he does things, you, you know, I am in God's will. And uh, th- then the road gets long and windy and twisty. And, and we keep questioning, God, am I going the right way? Am I going the right way? And, you know, my dad, my dad was, a could be a little bit sarcastic, you know, and I can hear my dad saying, Well, if I didn't tell you to turn, then just keep driving the way I told you to go. And and to some extent, and this is a challenge for us, because we just can't imagine that that a challenging situation is God's will for us. But you know, that's a that's a, a lie, it's not even it's not even correct. And so God puts us in his will, he confirms it, and then we keep asking him, Am I am I still in your will? Am I still in your will? And the Lord's saying. If I didn't tell you to turn, if I didn't tell you to do something else, I I didn't make a mistake. I haven't changed my mind. I have put you where I've put you. Just just stay there, and when it's time for you to turn, I'll tell you. And uh, and that's hard for us, but it's true. It's true.
4: Yeah. So that's a that's that's a great reference, um, you know, because I always feel like, uh, like I, I said, well will go. Well, what's next? What's next? What's next? Whenever you know, God has already placed all this stuff in my life. You know that the reference of if I didn't tell you to turn, don't. And I've I ha- and I'll be honest with you. I'll be brutally honest. Uh, I've I've questioned, what am I doing in Jonesboro? I've questioned, what's my purpose? What's my calling? Uh, why am I now 31 years old? And I feel like I should be doing something other than what I'm doing. God, what are you doing in my life? How do you hear God's voice, Brother Farrell?
5: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I had a, my my doctoral supervisor asked me the same question because I wrote that in a section of my dissertation. He said, "What what do you mean you hear you hear god's voice what what is he said if if you weren't talking to somebody that was theological or a christian or had some notion of that how do you explain to somebody hearing god's voice hearing god's voice so that's kind of tricky um okay with me with me i um uh, it's just uh i have developed a trust or a confidence in the sense or the feeling that I get that this is right and and I have learned to be sensitive to that feeling when it just doesn't seem right and uh and you know yeah so that that with me the way it has worked my whole life is because I I'm not one to chase the devil behind every rock and I I can't live in some imaginary world. It it has to be pretty cut and dried with me, you know. Let's let's have a rational conversation here about what you want me to do and I'll do it and so so I have just over the years because I I can't play head games, I can't. I can't try to wrap my head around the surreal or, you know, I just have to I have to Lord, we just have to have a sense here that this is what you want me to do and I'll do that. And uh, so that's that's how it has worked for me over my life. I I would say I've only felt like I heard God speak audibly to me twice, and and I don't mean audibly that I could hear it with my ear, but I mean audibly in my head or my heart. And both times that was to come to Perth once after once at the end of Bible school, and then secondly when um when i had when i he asked me to leave woodstock and come here that that's the only time i really felt like god really just everything else has just been a, a a feeling a sense of confidence that you know i try this i try that this seems to there's just a a calm assurance that this is the this is the way to move and so that's how i would describe it that's not very helpful probably but that's how I would describe it.
3: It's, uh, it's unique always hearing different people's perspective on how they 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 know when God's talking to them. And Yeah, uh,
4: yeah that's and, my favorite question we asked, Brian. You actually asked that the first time. I forget who it was, but that has honestly become my favorite question we ask a lot of our guests because everybody's different. And, you know, Brother Farrell, for you, you said, you know, you want to have a rational conversation that is me to a T. Like for me, if, if you tell me it's raining outside, I want to go look and see, I want to see for myself. And if certain people are telling me it's raining outside, I'll almost have to go outside and get wet to believe it. You know what I mean? (laughs) And so
5: I grew up in a, I grew up um, in a setting where, you know, a lot of things were promised to me on faith. A lot of, you know, God's going to do this and God's going to do that. And uh, when not when I, when my dad was my age, he he had a, a stroke and and was left paralyzed and lived paralyzed for twenty some years. And you know, God's going to heal and God's going to do this and God's going to do all those things. And you know, at the end of the day, God did none of those things. And and so you have to come to a place in your life where I'm either just going to become a doubter or an unbeliever, or I'm going to have to say, all right. I can't, I can't live in this realm of, of, um, of, of imaginations or hopeful thinking. I just have to live my life. When, when God wants me to do something, he'll give me an assurance that that's what I'm to do. And I'm going to walk in that. And, um, you know, so that's how I had to, that's how I had, that's why I developed that line of of uh, relationship with
3: the Lord. Yeah, um, that I have never heard. I've never heard anyone give a perspective on why it is that they feel that God ministers to them the way that, they, that he does. Uh, so that's very interesting to me as well. Um, I, of course, uh, I, I know on behalf of Tony, I know that uh, we both enjoyed uh, today's conversation with you and you have helped me even when tony was asking questions i was absorbing it like a sponge there's there's things that you've said today that i'm really going to take hold of and, and incorporate into my thinking and i appreciate you coming on today to, to have this conversation with us uh, and tony i'm sure you felt the same correct
4: absolutely i mean for me it's for me these conversations i don't care if we have one listener or we reached the million person mark, you know, these for me, Brian, they helped me. And whenever I can, I can ask these questions and let other people just listen in on our conversation. Uh, brother Farrell, when me and Brian was talking about having this podcast, we're like, let's sit down and have a conversation. Let's just record a conversation. We don't necessarily want to grill people with questions, but we want to talk, you know, just have a casual conversation. We'll record it and let other people hear it. And that's what we're doing. And, you know, these questions that uh, that we're asking, you know, like Brian just said, we're absorbing these things and we're we're, we're healing these things. You know, we have uh, listeners uh, reaching out to us saying, hey, will you guys have a conversation about this with this person or that or this? You know, and I'm so thankful for that, that we we do have that listenership. But it's, it's people like you, Brother Farrell, that, uh, you know, Brian and I, we appreciate um, just the 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 godliness that you present yourself with and uh, the wisdom you impart on us and our listeners. And, you know, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule. I know you're a busy guy. You've already mentioned everything you got going on. But we, we could not appreciate you more for coming on and doing this with us. Absolutely.
5: Yeah, this has been my privilege. And I... Uh... You can, you can call me or ask, ask me any question you want and I'll, I'll be as honest with you. Um, I, what I will say to you both is I love you both dearly. And that, that's been from day one, from the time I met you, I'm, I so appreciate your friendship with Anthony. And um, I, I just want you to know how much I love you. And, and I would say to you both, You're you're in God's will, God's hand is on your life, and um, there's there's no telling. There's no telling what God will do. Just stay faithful, live every day, do what God lets you do, and don't try to do what God is not letting you do or opening for you to do. Stay faithful, serve the Lord, stay in his will, I I sacrifice things in my life to stay in his will. And I see the blessings of the Lord on my children. And because I put my family and God's will first over ministry and over everything else, I've made some sacrifices, but in the end, what really matters most I think I've been at least at this point successful at. And um and that uh that that means the world to me.
4: So, Brian, you, what do you say we end this thing on a light note? Um you were telling us that you can love and hate your kid, or not hate, that's a wrong word. Be frustrated <laughs> with your kids all, yeah. the, all of the same, you know, breath. So my favorite story that I've heard about uh, of, uh, Perth handover is there was this Jeep or this something that was taken out one day and there was snow everywhere. And the whole bottom of this thing just got bellied out. And Anthony had to get pulled out and he put it back at the house. Like nothing ever happened. Do you know the story I'm talking about? See this story, this story <laughs> is, uh, it
5: runs so deep and, uh, causes so much pain out of that car. my heart and my life see what 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 is not being told in the story is that this jeep didn't just mysteriously wander off into a a a bank and drop off you know on its own it's not herbie the love bug anthony took the jeep loaded it up with a bunch of his friends and went and buried it and and it's a small town so everybody knows everybody and and everybody knew, everybody knew that that's Pastor Farrell's boy. And they they went and got the town excavator to lift him up out. And nobody told me, my own friends didn't tell me what was going on. Until later, I had to go get some work done on it and they put it up on the hoist. And uh, he said, we we got to replace the front end of this. The, the, the front end of this thing is snapped. Did you hit something? It, he said, it's almost like the front wheels drove off of something and then just dropped into a, <laughs> uh, 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 and I I said, I don't know, I'll have to ask around, and so I started to ask around, and Anthony, and so slowly this story began to come out, and uh, I still have not recovered from it. It's, uh, I have, I have prayed curses on Anthony.
4: <laughs> ever so, since. That, Brian, that just oh, makes wow. me wonder what else he got away with, that all those people just kept it from the pastor.
5: That's awesome. <laughs> it, is, uh, it, it would probably scare me to death, but you know, I will say this, not trying to make it heavy again, but whenever I felt like I wanted to do something ministry wise or make a transition, I always involved Anthony and Chrissy in that decision because those kids never brought a reproach on my ministry. And I was not going to uproot them and mess their lives up without getting their feeling on it. I felt like they always had great respect for what I was trying to do, and I wanted to have great respect for what they needed to do. And um, that's been a wonderful thing. But that story about that that Jeep, you know, they both learned to drive in that Jeep. Chrissy, Chrissy learned to drive in that Jeep. and. We drove that until the final drive was to the junkyard and it barely made it there. And <laughs> because, can I tell you honest the truth? When I took that when I took that little Kia and dropped it off there, I got in the other car and drove home. I cried all the way home. The mem- <laughs> the memories, the memories and the stories and the the stuff, you know, it was it was I should have took and parked it in my backyard and let it rot, but yeah, that was, that's one of the, that's one of the classics that goes down. It it started to unfold and the, the guys from the town and
3: the, the, the yeah, started to tell me the story. I was
4: like, Anthony had the right friends,
3: Brian. Yeah. I, I couldn't help but laugh whenever he first moved. It may have been his first winter in Arkansas. I'm, I don't even, I'm not even sure, but you know, he'd been living in St. Louis and then of course being in Canada, he was bragging about 14 foot of snow and, uh, like the first snow that he was in Jonesboro, it snowed like a half an inch and he got his truck stuck in the church parking lot. <laughs> he told me He told me about that. Yeah. He told me about it. Yeah. Said, Mr. 14 I, foot. Yeah. He said, I got no snow tires. I can't do nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He couldn't, he couldn't get out of our church parking lot. We went up there and we're doing donuts in the parking lot because yeah. and we, everything shuts down when there's even like a dusting of snow. Yeah. So everybody comes out and parties. Well, he decided to join the party and couldn't get out of the church party.
5: Was that the little white truck, the little Ford Ranger? Yeah. Yeah, That that
4: thing has went through it all, hadn't it, man?
5: Oh, that truck has been through the mill. It was through Uh the mill.
4: (laughs) Yeah. Well, Brother Farrell, thanks for your time. We're not going to take up any more of it. Uh, Brian, send us off, man.
3: I just want to say thank you for having another very crucial conversation.
5: Well, thank you for having me. And I hope it's been a blessing to your podcast. And if I can do anything to help both of you, i would do it. Whatever I can. How about,
4: how about you just come and visit sometime?
5: Well, I'll tell you, um, Canada is, is absolutely ridic- ridiculous on this COVID stuff. And so it's no problem for me to go over to the States because I'm a U.S. citizen. The challenge for me is coming back in. They're requiring this 14-day quarantine.
4: Yeah, that's what Sorry. Brother Woodward was telling us about. He was uh, canceling all these camps because he can't afford to get back into the country because he can't well, go to church.
5: This, yeah, this is it. So yeah, I could come down and visit, no problem. But then I got to come home and sit in my house for for two weeks, you know. And I, I just can't, I just can't be away from church work and and the other things that I have to do for that long. So, but they're saying they're saying that by August first, everything should be should be open. I still have a plane ticket that I'd purchased to go visit my family in Ohio that uh, that I haven't been able to use yet. So they're saying August the 1st, it's going to all open up and we should be able to travel without quarantine. So yeah, so we'll see what happens, but I would love to come down. I want
4: well, Tony said he will buy some motorcycles. Yeah, there happen? you go. All right, guys, thanks for listening to a Crucial Conversation uh,
3: podcast. Tony had said something about riding motorcycles, by the way. Oh, I see, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on down. Let's ride motorcycles together.
5: I'm ready. I want to go to – I want to eat some Mexican food, and then I want to go <laughs> down to Memphis and eat the, the the Brazilian steakhouse. I want to go to that.
3: Oh, Texas Day Brazil, yes. Oh. I just wish you could have been here a couple of weeks ago and had some crawfish. Oh, uh, look, Anthony told me all about it. Yes. Yes. He, he We were talking about it. How you had, you still have the seasoning from when you came down last time to do lobster in it. Yeah. And uh, he said you still had. I'm really interested. I want to know what it'd be like. But hey, Tony wanted to end this on a light note, and so I'll ask this question, and I'll end the recording. You can answer it off air. What is the you miss the most about living in the United States, and why is it the Second Amendment?